The following is a presentation of Main Street Preps, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee. It's time to talk playoff football again. We're joined this week by Nolansville coach Paul Derrick after his team defeated Station Camp on the road in round one. And we also gave our picks for every round two playoff game. It's all coming up next on the Main Street Preps podcast. This is the Main Street Preps podcast, covering high school sports all across Middle Tennessee. Here are your hosts, Russell Venozzi and Tyler Palmatier. Welcome back into the Main Street Preps podcast. I'm Russell Venozzi, joined as always by Tyler Palmatier. Palmatier. And uh, playoffs are rolling on this week, Tyler. Um, you excited for, for another Friday of uh, cold weather and playoff football? Yeah, no, it should be awesome. Um, the games just, they kind of just get better and better each week in the, as you know, as you know, the way the playoffs are set up and um, the, the stakes just get a little higher. I just, I kind of always sense the tension just building a little bit more each week. Just the atmosphere just gets a little bit, uh, I don't know what I'm, the barometric pressure or something just seems to rise, you know, as you, as you keep going. So that's always a lot of fun. And yeah, you mentioned the weather it's, we're catching the cold nights, that's for sure. Um, the last yep. two, it looks like it's going to be pretty chilly this week. So, uh, But that's what football's all about. Yeah, I'm pumped. Good deal. Well, yeah, it was a pretty interesting first week. There weren't necessarily a ton of huge upsets or anything. But, um, I mean, I was at the Station Camp Nolensville game, and we're going to talk to Nolensville coach Paul Derrick, as you heard, in just a few moments here. But, man, they looked impressive. They uh, came out and kind of beat the brakes off of Station Camp in the second quarter. Um, and, and held on from there. And Kobe Walton threw six touchdown passes over 300 yards. Looked really, really good. It was my first time seeing them this year. And uh, that sets up a pretty big battle between them and Paige on Friday that we're going to detail more in our interview with Coach Derek. But um, should be a, should be a great game, uh, a game that Paige won by a couple scores, or I guess three scores about a month ago. And now they get to rematch. And that's kind of something that's happening up and down in brackets. We're, we're going to see a lot of rematches this week and, and next week of uh, teams in the same region that are going to get another crack at each other. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, that Nolensville page game is interesting. I mean, it's, um, it's the way that the brackets are designed with the region rematches as a possibility. It, I don't know. I mean, that could go either way. I guess if you get two teams that are really far apart or bad matchups for each other, you could just be setting everyone up for a game where they know the result. But it also does sort of allow for this room for growth for teams and. So it'll just it'll just be interesting to watch. That's the game I'll be covering Friday, and I covered it the first time too. Where I just think Paige kind of obviously looked like the better team. I I think they uh, maybe not in the first half, but in the second half, Paige just kind of looked like the more complete team. But um, things certainly change over the course of a season, and I think Nolansville's playing better. So uh, it'll just it'll be interesting to see see them play again. I mean, it just, that's, I think that's one cool thing about the way the playoffs are, are drawn up here. Speaking of how things have changed over the course of the season, that's kind of been a theme in a lot of places. And and how about Brentwood? I think you got to start with them. If you're talking about somebody, a team that's come really far since August and they went on the road and, and got a, got a big win with a last second field goal. And uh, they're moving on to play summit who they gave a heck of a game back in September. So yeah. What do you make of Brentwood making it out this far to the second round? 
yeah, making it making it this far, but also doing it with uh, without Aaron Walton last week. I mean, that's that tells you a lot about maybe uh, what I'm, what's the word I'm looking for here? Maybe their 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 gumption, their toughness, but also just you know to, to have to to be able to go win a playoff a tough playoff game on the road. I think it shows that they've got some balance. Anybody from the outside that saw their as Brentwood here has now won six in a row, anybody who saw that streak and said, oh, well, they've got a good quarterback in Davis White and he's got a good big target, Aaron Walton, that's, there's really more, there's really more to it than that. There's, um, I think they've got some younger receivers that have really benefited from kind of developing around Aaron Walton or, you know, as, as Walton has gotten all the targets and a lot of the, the attention that's opened up things for them. And I, I think that's kind of what you saw in that game on the road and, yeah, now we get now we get to see a really interesting rematch between Brentwood and Summit. And I mean, I'm not about to. I'm not one to pick against Summit. I, I don't know. I just think they're really, really good. But I, I don't think this game is a necessarily a you know a foregone conclusion, especially if Brentwood can get Walton back in the lineup. Yeah, I think we all just kind of easily penciled in Summit to that Class Six A Blue Cross Bowl, but. Their road to get there is not a cakewalk by any means, and it really starts this week with Brentwood. And um, should note that Brentwood beat Germantown. I don't think we mentioned that. That was the their opponent last week. And just looking at Germantown's results, I mean, that was a legitimate team they beat. Uh, Germantown was 8-2 and two heading into that game. They had taken Christian Brothers to overtime. They beat MUS. They beat Whitehaven. Um, they hung with Collierville decently, although they did get shut out in that game. And then, they just destroyed Arlington, White Station, and Cordova the last three weeks of the season to earn that home playoff game. So, uh, yeah, hats off to Brentwood, and, and we'll see uh, if they can keep it going this week and, and maybe give Summit uh, a run for their money there. Yeah, I mean, Summit didn't exactly destroy Houston in the first round by any means. And as we've seen as we've seen the, the Spartans do over the course of the year, I mean, they've just shown Flash being flat out just, you know, dominant. And uh, – I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that's any cause for alarm, but uh, it's a fun game. I, I like the rematches when it looks like you got two teams that are that can go up against each other for three, four quarters, and I, that's what I see in this game. And so that region, 7-6-A, the powerful Williamson County region, missed out on the sweep because Independence uh, went and took a loss at Collierville, but there was a region, Tyler, that did get a sweep. That was region 5-6-A. With Clarksville, Beach, Hendersonville, and Gallatin all beating their first-round opponents, uh, including Clarksville on the road at Cane Ridge and Gallatin on the road at Smyrna. Um, that kind of stood out as a little bit of a surprise there and um, should make for some interesting second-round games between Clarksville and Beach and Hendersonville and Gallatin. Yeah, I think that's a lot of fun. I mean, for, uh, if, for those kind of scoring at home, how the Metro teams are doing, um, what are we down to? two? We're down to two left, right? East Nashville and Pearl Cone. Yeah. Um, so I I had picked Cane Ridge to get past Clarksville in that first round. I just – I haven't seen a ton of Cane Ridge, but I think that's a great win. To, yeah, I mean, just that's a four over a one on the road uh, against a program that's that's had a lot of success. Um, or, you know, and so it's a that, – that's a great accomplishment. I tell you, we were kind of talking about this yesterday, Russell. What I think is cool is just kind of that part of the area – those those four six A schools there in that region, um, being Clarksville Beach, Hendersonville, and Gallatin, that, that those are just like four communities or schools that love their high school football. 
I mean, I think I think that's got to be a lot of fun for the area just in general, just to have. I mean, there's tr- they have tradition, they have a lot of passion for the sport in those communities. So I think that's what's really cool about you know, the, you know those teams advancing and then and getting to play each other again. I mean, when you talk about the the gates specifically, you know what money can be made off these playoff games. I mean, those are going to draw some great crowds, I would think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially, I mean, Gallatin getting its first playoff win, you know, that place, in, in several years, I mean, that place is going to come unglued if they find a way to beat Hendersonville. And I mean, beach, same thing that they're known for drawing, you know, thousands of people, their games, you know, mm-hmm. two, three, 4,000. Um, so yeah, that is good to see them getting success. And, uh, you know, those are some of the important schools to our coverage area too. So it's great for us selfishly. Um, Sure. But hey, some more uh, region or potential region dominance too, and you got to look at that Division Two Double A bracket there. Um, as it stands right now, there's a decent chance that we get two All Mid State semifinals. Davidson Academy went and beat uh, Evan ECS on the road, and BGA held off Chattanooga Christian in overtime at home last week, and so they joined CPA and Lipscomb Academy in those semifinal games. We'll pick them a little bit later in the show, but uh, the the force quarterfinal games in that bracket are BGA at Lausanne, CAK at CPA, Silverdale at Lipscomb Academy, and Davidson Academy at Knoxville Webb. And my initial impression of that, of those games, is that there's a pretty decent chance all four of the Nashville area teams are going to win and um, be one win away from uh, an all-mid-state Blue Cross Bowl. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, uh, it's, I can't, there's nothing I love more than like a semifinal of two area teams and uh, two teams that are familiar with each other. Uh, it's, and I, I'll, I'm always going to go back to the gate. I think in high school sports, you just can't kind of pump money back into your sports enough because it's just in a lot, most times or in a lot of instances, you're just, this, this isn't college athletics with bottom, you know, bottomless pocketed uh, boosters. So the gates really do matter. So I, I love any anything that just draws a huge crowd. I'm all for. Absolutely, especially after crowds were limited last year, of course, with COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, Absolutely. But all right, so we're, we'll move on now to our interview with Nolensville football coach Paul Derrick, and then after that, stick around for our picks for the second round of the, of the playoffs. We're talking with Nolensville coach Paul Derrick. Paul, you guys are still playing in the first week of November here, despite a one and five start. Uh, I know you guys before the year are felt like you could play some good football, and you're and you're starting to do that. When did you specifically notice that you guys were starting to turn the corner? Uh, yeah, I think we had shown glimpses or, or, or signs of it all year, as far as um, being able to play. Uh, good at times we just lack the consistency and uh, in order to, to win games and have success you know you need to be consistent in, in your execution and you know I, I would probably point to the first time we played Paige as being the turning point for us uh, felt like in that game we did some good things felt like we, we made some plays we just uh, didn't make enough of them um, maybe had too many mistakes and then didn't finish a couple drives on offense but as far as uh, what we we're asking the kids to do and how they were executing it no you know that was the, probably the first time that I really felt like we were we were I turned the corner, if you will, and you know, ever since then, we've been uh, getting better and better every week, and able to win a couple games. And you know, as you mentioned, we're excited to, to still be playing and have the opportunity to practice again this week uh, and get another shot at Paige. From talking to some of your players after the game last week, it's clear they believe in themselves and they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. 
How did you and your coaching staff kind of keep that belief level up when you guys were, you know, one in five, two and six as recently as about a month ago? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you just keep keep telling them and keep celebrating those small victories and telling them, you know, uh, what they need to get better at. And, you know, uh, like I said, things that they were doing well, we tried to build off of those. And, um, you know, we, we played a challenging schedule and we were a young football team and you definitely had some growing pains and went through some adversity. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I tell them all the time, adversity is either going to break you or bond you. Uh, so we just kept, kept trying to stay positive and kept, you know, trying to keep them upbeat and, um, you know, credit to them. They, they stayed the course and, you know, our process all year has just been show up every Monday and try to get better. Uh, and they've done that. And I think, uh, these last couple of weeks you're, you're seeing that, um, they're kind of reaping the benefits of that. Let's, let's go over some of your guys' personnel here, Paul, I, some people may not know about Chance Fitzgerald, but he's a he's a receiver, a, a big-bodied athletic guy. He's got an offer from Kentucky, a, among others. How far has Chance come since you started coaching him, and, and how has he factored into your success here late? Yeah, you know, last year when he got here, um, you know, he uh, had to kind of kind of ease him in there uh, as far as learning the offense and things like that. So uh, this year I think he has a better grasp of, of the offense, a better grasp of what we're what we're asking him to do, and then, you know, he's a little uh, one year older, a little more uh, mature, probably playing a little more physical than he did last year, and you know, definitely playing with with more confidence than he did last year. And um, you know, he's got tremendous catch radius, he's got great ball skills, uh, runs great routes, and you know, he's a big target. And then he's he's uh, where he's most dangerous, in my opinion, is in the red zone. Um, so he's really worked hard on his game, worked hard on his craft and trying to, you know, make himself into a complete wide receiver. But he has uh, definitely been a big part of, of our offense and our success this year. And the guy throwing him the ball and, and throwing the ball to all your other playmakers is Kobe Walton. And he's come on really strong here in his first year as the starting quarterback. He's thrown for almost 3,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, and just six interceptions. Uh, Paul, what has allowed Kobe to be so effective for you guys this year? Well, well, I think uh, I think we got a good quarterback coach. Coach Childs does a great job with him um, and getting him prepared every week. Uh, and then for for Kobe, to his credit, I think you know he doesn't try to do too much. He just he understands that he's got some guys around him that can can make plays, and and all he needs to do is go through his progression, make the right reads, and you know distribute the ball to to wherever the defense tells him to to take to distribute it to. And um, Kobe's done that all year. He's made really good decisions, uh, which for a first year starter, you know, in five A football. I, uh, I think that's, um, you know, a, a pretty impressive thing for, for what he's been able to do this year. Um, but, you know, I think for, for Kobe, we knew that he was going to be a good player for us. We knew that he was going to be a, um, you know, a good quarterback. But he's definitely exceeded uh, my expectations. And he's playing really good football for us. And he's had a phenomenal year. And, you know, we'll, we'll need him to continue doing that if we're going to uh, try to make a run here. And I had no idea Kobe was up to almost 3,000 yards passing. Um that's yeah, pretty it's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you're going to go – obviously, you know, you're going to face it, – it's a great quarterback matchup in that re- regard with Friday because uh, Paige quarterback Jack uh, Jake McNamara, I'm sorry, a Colorado State commitment has, has put up big numbers and been pretty effective. Paul, defensively, what's the key to defending Paige and specifically McNamara and kind of keeping him from just doing whatever he wants to do and, and making every throw he kind of wants to make? Yeah, he's a he's a he's a great player, man. Um, and as a as a defensive coach, and you know, if I, as a defensive guy, I guess you know that's a a challenge that you know you kind of look forward to playing against great players like him. And I, I think um, you know, first off, he's going to make plays, and he's going to make 
um, some plays, and I think you just try to limit uh, the amount of plays that he can make. And I think in order to do that, uh, number one, you can't just show him the same look. You have to mix things up for him. Uh, he's he's a sharp kid. You can tell he he processes things quickly. You know, pre-snap and post-snap. So then you got to change up the look on him. Uh, I think it's easier said than done, but you got to try to keep him in the pocket. He's uh, dangerous with his legs. Does a great job of when he does scramble and run around. He's not just doing it to to run the football. Like he does a great job of keeping his eyes downfield and and uh, keeping plays alive. And then his receivers do a great job of of getting open for him. So we'll have to be good with the scramble drill. Uh, have to be good and disciplined on our rush lanes as far as when we rush the passer. Uh, and then you throw in uh, their, their, their run game's not too bad either. So trying to, trying to stop the run there as well. But, you know, McNamara is a great player. Um, our kids are, are, are aware of what we got to do in, in, in order to, to maybe slow him down a little bit. And our challenge Friday night will just be to execute the game plan as, as best we can. Can I follow up there, Paul? I, you know, we talk. You've got a lot of playmakers on offense. I, I, I'm admittedly, I'm just not as familiar with with how you guys have have sort of uh, come along defensively. I mean, who's who's been your leader on that side of the ball, and have, has there been anybody that's made a big difference here late? You know, as you guys have have had more success. Yeah, I think um, you know defensively, we only returned three guys from last year's defense. Oh, wow. So a lot of new a lot of new faces over there and uh, I think just trying to find the right guys in the right spots has been kind of our challenge this year on defense and what we've uh, kind of been kind of been working through and then once we found those those pieces and, and fit them together the way we felt best for, for our defense, you know, we really started to play play a little bit better. But, you know, you mentioned um, like Mike McWilliams is one of the guys we had coming back, uh, senior, probably been our most consistent player this year. Uh, he plays outside linebacker for us. And then uh, Taylor Wine is our outside linebacker slash defensive end. He's our leading tackler. Uh, he's very disruptive and very active. You know, he's almost he's in on almost every play on defense. He plays extremely hard. Um, and then, uh, you know, we got in our secondary, we got Eric Harper back there at free safety. Uh, and then Ben Coggin has stepped up these last couple of weeks at strong safety and, and played really well for us. Um, so uh, we, we uh, like I said, we've been kind of in a work in progress all year and try, kind of trying to kind of find the right pieces and, and fit them the what fit best for, for our personnel. And I think uh, we've done that of late. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely need a great effort from, from that side of the ball on Friday night. So you guys already have one playoff win on the road against a higher seed, and you're facing a similar situation this week. Uh, do you think your players are kind of embracing that underdog role and, and ready to maybe try to pull another uh, win out on Friday? Yeah, I, I think they are. I mean, I think, you know, we knew um, – you know, going in, obviously, we'd have to go on the road uh, throughout the playoffs. And, you know, that was something that, you know, didn't – obviously, you'd like to play at home. But for us, it was just, you know, once we get in, that's a new season. You know, everybody's 0-0. Zero and, zero and, and it's, it's any we, we had just as much uh, right up playing for a state championship as, as anybody else in, in the tournament. You know, so that's kind of been our, our, our attitude all week is, you know, we're going to try to be 1-0. and And I don't care how we win or how we get it done as long as we have one more point. Um, at the end of the game, that's really what playoff football is all about, just survive in advance. And, um, you know, our kids have kind of bought into that. And, you know, we're going to try to – we got to be, you know, like last week, we had to be gritty and we had to keep, uh, you know, stopping the run. And they were a physical bunch over there. And, and, and our kids just kept fighting and kept fighting. And then this week, you know, it's going to be a little bit different type of game with Paige being a spread offense. And, and um, you know, but, again – 
don't care how we get it done. Uh, as long as we got one more point than the other team at the end of the night, that's really all that matters this time of year. Hey, Paul, once again, with one more question here, but thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, I was curious, how has the switch to Class 5A been this year for you guys? And, and just kind of from a broader perspective, what's it been like in Nolensville right now? Just a lot of, lot of growth population-wise, a lot of sports moving up in class, and a lot of those sports still being able to find success kind of in their, in their new classes. Yeah, I mean, for us, making the jump to 5A, you know, obviously, you know, you got 5A, your number's a little bit bigger, and, you know, you probably have a little more depth, uh, perhaps. But, um, you know, football is football, and, you know, I think our region is a, is a, is a challenging region. Uh, we, we left a challenging region, so we were kind of kind of used to that. And, um, you know, and then our non-region schedule was, was pretty challenging this year. So, you know, the jump to 5A has been good. Obviously, we uh, haven't had quite the success that we've had uh, in the past, but, you know, we made the playoffs our first year here in 5A, and as you started off the uh, the uh, conversation with, we're still playing. Um, so that's exciting, and you know, our kids are just excited to get another week week to practice together and and get another shot at Paige. Is Nolensville is is the growth such right now that you guys are all probably just it's a matter of time before you're in Class 6A and and there for good? Yeah, I think I think so. I think eventually that will be the case. You know, uh, I know the school was built for 6A type numbers. Um, so, you know, the way we've grown in the past, and I think, you know, you mentioned the development here in Nolensville, the way things are looking, you know, I think eventually that will be the case, that you know, we'll be 6A along with, you know, all the other Williamson County schools, uh, maybe except Fairview. Yeah. Interesting times. Just just a lot of uh, – kind of a lot of change. And sports-wise, it's, fun to, it's, it's been fun to watch some of these communities grow up and um, – you know, and have success in there as they kind of just grow. So, uh, Paul, once again, thanks a bunch for joining us, man, and um, best luck to you guys on Friday as you move forward. I really appreciate it, guys, and I uh, appreciate you guys having me, and glad to do it anytime, man. All righty, Tyler, let's make some picks now for the second round of the playoffs. First up is Class A. Which area teams do you have um, – winning those games well i'm just going to kind of run down the board here i've got clay county winning uh, at south pittsburgh and i've got gordonsville fayetteville and mckenzie all winning at home the only difference there is i've got south pittsburgh beating clay county at home but i've got gordonsville mckenzie or gordonsville fayetteville and mckenzie all advancing as well and then class 2a i've got uh, Meigs County beating Trousdale, Watertown defeating Marion County, Lewis County pulling a little bit of an upset at Forest, and Riverside, 10-1 Riverside, uh, beating Summertown. Yeah, now one I've got Trousdale County, Marion County, Forest, and Riverside. Okay, so we got, we got some differences in that one. We'll see how Class 2A plays out. Uh, Class 3A, I've got Loudoun defeating Cannon County that uh, pulled a big upset in its first round game. Uh, Giles County over Kingston, East Nashville over Waverly, and White House over Smith County. Yeah, I've got all the same. We've all both in agreement there. Cool. 4A, I've got Red Bank over Macon County, Upperman over DeKalb County, Tullahoma over Montgomery Central, and this one I'm a little nervous about, but I'm taking Pearl Cone over Hardin County. Kind of know Hardin County. Yeah, we've, we've got the same ones there, too. I was the same on – I. I I think in my head, I want to pick Hardin County 
uh, but I'm kind of going with my the team that I know about, and um, I just think Pearl Cone's going to find some kind of way, as as Catfish says over the the loudspeaker. If you if you've never been there, that's kind of one of his catchphrases. We got to find some kind of way. It's very strange. <laughs> it's that's that was not a good impression, but it is uh, it's honestly amazing. Everybody should experience it at some point. But uh, I think Pearl Cone's going to find a way to win there. Yeah, that's kind of what I landed on too. I mean, Hardin County wanted to pick them ten and zero. You know, they've got plenty of good players too, but it just doesn't seem right for this pro cone team to be knocked out in the second round. So uh, maybe they'll go on the road and, and get that win. Moving on to Class Five A, I've got Columbia getting the win at Green Hill after Green Hill did not finish that game so great against Franklin County last week, and Columbia kind of rolled over Mount Juliet. Then I've got Page over Nolansville, Springfield over Memphis Central, and Henry County going to Munford and getting a victory. Uh, I've, I've got all those the exact same. Cool. All right. Class 6A then. I've got Riverdale beating Lebanon on the road. Oakland beating Shelbyville. Hendersonville rolling over Gallatin. Beach beating Clarksville. Summit over Brentwood. And Collierville beating Ravenwood. Yeah, I got all those. I got all those too. Ravenwood's a tough one. I... I... I think they could easily prove us both wrong, but uh, I just think at this point, I, I'm not ready to pick them to move on over an un- unbeaten Collierville team. Yeah, that's, a t- that's just a tough trip to Memphis too. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, Division two, single A. Uh, I've got DCA over Friendship Christian, Middle Tennessee Christian over Trinity Christian, Nashville Christian over Jackson Christian. And um, I think I just said Christian about six times there. but. Um, Th- those are my picks for D2 single A. Yeah, I got, I've got all the same ones, Russell. All righty. Moving on to double A then. I've got uh, I've got the clean sweep here for that uh, middle region in double A. BGA over Lausanne on the road. Uh, CPA over CAK. Lipscomb Academy over Silverdale. And Davidson Academy going to Knoxville Webb and surviving. Yeah, I've got the same. And finally, D2 triple A. Uh, Macaulay over Father Ryan. Pope Prep going to Brentwood Academy and beating them. That was a fantastic quarterfinal game last year. Pope Prep, I believe, lost by a field goal, had a lead for a while, and uh, I don't know. I think I think they can get it done this time. And then finally, NBA over Baylor. I've got Brentwood Academy over Pope Prep, but I think that's a coin flip. Like you said, I think that could easily go the other way, uh, but I just for the sake of my gut i'm going with brentwood academy all right fair we'll see uh we'll see who was correct on that one and all the rest of these after these games play out on friday but that's going to do it for today's episode so thanks for tuning in and uh be sure to follow all of our coverage this week at mainstreetpreps.com and on twitter at mainstreetpreps we will see you guys back here next week on the main street preps podcast you've been listening to the main street preps podcast your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee with your hosts, Russell Venozzi and Tyler Palmatier. For more on high school sports in Middle Tennessee, visit MainStreetPreps.com.